welcome once again to another episode of the Horizon Roundtable. I am Bob McDonald, uh, Matt Dudek, who you would normally hear as my co-host, who you can find on Twitter at Horizon Matt, will not be joining us today. Uh, but joining us, of course, is Kyle Rossi. Hey, guys. And Blake Schumacher. I'm back. You are back. Blake, of course, and today, this is the twenty the twenty twenty three uh, writers forum for the women. Uh, we decided this year we were going to do two forums, one for the men, one for the women. Obviously, the first part of the men's forum is already out, so uh, go to horizonroundtable.com. Um, it's definitely going to be uh, one of the posts there. You can pull us up uh, wherever podcasts are found. You can find a list of those podcast uh, uh, apps uh, locations at horizonroundtable.com. Dot com slash subscribe. You can also uh, find all links to all of our social accounts, as well as you can sign up for Patreon. Uh, become a patron. Patreon.com slash Horizon Roundtable. Uh, you can get early access to Preview Week, as well as the Power Rankings, and you can get a pretty cool mug, too. Oh, and and maybe uh, a t-shirt as well. So um, definitely go check that out. So as I mentioned before, of course, we are going to be doing the women's uh, forum. Kyle, you've been doing the start you the starting five all summer, so I'm not gonna lie. I'm probably gonna be leaning on you a lot for this. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good idea. <laughs> I know it isn't, but we're just gonna we're gonna go for it anyway. Um, so. The one question that I did get, actually, um, and that's, this is from John Durda at Pronkville 08 on, uh, uh, on Twitter. He's, on, he's got like a bunch of other names elsewhere, but I know, we, I know him there. Um, the, the question that he posed before we get started is he'd like to know if there are any Horizon League teams that have a realistic path of getting an at-large NCAA berth. And if so, what would that look like? Uh, you want to... You want to go, Blake, or you want me to go? Uh, I can speak on it. I mean, All right, uh, it. a realistic path at an at-large would be somebody winning out their non-conference schedule. Um, so, for example, IUPUI plays uh, Juggernaut, Ohio State, and a few others that are, like, good quality opponents that if they were to win out, based on their history, they could theoretically um gain an at-large berth just from that uh same with green bay green bay's got the history behind them in order to do so uh cleveland state could potentially do it i i think with a unanimous win as well but um i don't Sounds know like i feel a like challenge a, against caitlin clark actually <laughs> i was gonna say i i don't know if the path for at-larges specifically is feasible for a horizon team this year um you know, never count out Kevin, but that I, I don't know about at large births for the year. Yeah, it's a tough thing because there's like, I mean, there's so many things that have to kind of go right. I think one of them is you kind of have to schedule a certain way in your non conference. Um, you know, then number two, you have to go win those games. I mean, you can't just say, like, oh, we're going to schedule with an eye on having an at large bid. <laughs> you got to be a good enough team to go win a lot of those games. Uh, I don't know if you have to win all of them, but a lot of them and probably pull off one or two pretty big upsets along the way. I right. think the flaw that we've seen, you know, you look at like Green Bay. I think Green Bay had an at-large type schedule last year and 
did pretty well in those games. They had they, what beat Wisconsin. I think they had a game against Florida over Thanksgiving where they should have won that game actually, but kind of dropped that one in the fourth quarter. But you know, I think a lot of the problem right now is the league itself, and I don't want to you know go on the, the league podcast and be dumping on the league. But the fact is that it's why kind of we do it all the time. Right now <laughs> you talk about you know. A team like uh, uh, Purdue Fort Wayne was, you know, and they're, I know they're a good team. I know they're a good team on the results and where they ended up last year. But the fact is that they were like 230 or something like that in the net for most of the year. So you're not really getting a lot of juice from beating them, even though they are, I think, probably a better team than 230th in the country. So I think the league itself has to elevate a little bit, too. And obviously, again, you have to schedule well in the non-conference. I think both Green Bay and Cleveland State have done that this year. And they're the two teams that are maybe good enough to win a lot of those games so uh we'll see basically right the problem lies in the league and how uh most of the competition hovers around that 200 mark so we have good teams we have teams that could be anyone any given day because it's the horizon league and that kind of stuff happens all the time but that is also like defeating the league at the same time uh you know green bay could come to the Nutter Center and lose, or North Car- Northern Kentucky can come to the Nutter Center and lose, just like they did last year. Um, sure. it, it's just consistency throughout the play. If if we're looking for an at-large berth, we need all of the teams in the league to show up for it. So you, I actually want to pose this question. We actually posed this during the men's forum. When you look at the Horizon League now, is it a matter of, do you see kind of a tier, a set of tiers for the, this, this, the, like different groups of teams in different tiers um, in this league? To me, it seems like in this case, it's a little better defined than on the men's side. Oh, where... it's, yeah, it's pretty clear cut for the women's side. You've yeah. got, I'm competing for that, for that tournament slot. And generally speaking, they're the ones that are going to win that tournament slot. Uh, we mm-hmm. don't have too many upsets in the women's tournament. Um, and then we have, I'm grinding the middle and I'm grinding the bottom. Um, yeah. So uh, the tiers are definitely there for the women's. Yes. So when we talk about that, do we, do we, uh, do, where, where do we have currently, uh, what do we, you, you guys currently have, these our teams uh, in the conference slotted in those specific tiers. Um, I know we've talked about Green Bay and Cleveland State. Obviously, they would belong on the top tier. I would obviously uh, Youngstown State. I think would certainly, uh, given what they have coming back, would qualify for that top tier too. But what about the rest of the teams in the conference? Where, where do you, where would you slot them as far as you know where where they belong, where where they happen to uh, be situated as as far as you know those tiers? I know. You'll probably be uh, having we'll probably be having a much clearer picture when uh, preview week comes out, and I'm sure. But um, what what kind of uh, to give us an idea of kind of where you know ballpark where the where these teams are situated? I gotta say ballpark. I don't really know. I, I kind of disagree with the whole idea that there are uh, other than the very top, very clearly defined tiers. They could talk about. I think Purdue Fort Wayne will be right in that mix. They bring most of their team back. You know, Shayla Sellers coming back for one more year. Millie uh, Broman Shankle, uh, some really good players there. Not a particularly deep team. Uh, still have some of the same issues as far as, you know, having a, a size presence. Uh, Jazlyn Bow's a, a very capable player, but she gets in foul trouble. They're kind of screwed at that point. So they're, I mean, 
I'd say they're sort of towards the top, but then you have a lot of other teams that I like with, you know, I like, uh, you know, Blake's team with Wright State. I like what they've done. They're rebuilding. I like some of the recruits that Milwaukee is coming in. I'd like, you know, you, you can't argue Kate Bruce's track record. They have uh, Jasmine Turner coming back. So uh, there are a lot of teams that can make a move. They're kind of in this large group right after that top tier. Yeah, I agree. It's, I agree with that sentiment, but it's been like for the women's side, at least in recent memory, we've always been able to pinpoint, yeah, there's our top, there's our bottom. And then we have like six or seven teams that are crushing the middle and it's like a doggy dog world in it. Um, you know, fighting for that third, fourth, fifth seed, that kind of thing. Um, here though, that's like I think that's where I'm like you say okay maybe there's two or three teams at the top there's two or three at the bottom you have this like big group in the middle is is that a tier I don't know it's just a big yes. group of- yes it is actually <laughs> okay fair you enough the dog pile <laughs> that's how I, that's how I define it um in regards to that I the the one team that I'm not sure how to evaluate is IUPUI because mm-hmm. I'm looking at their roster and. I don't know how to evaluate what is happening here. And so I I guess that's the team that I'm going to be watching during the early season where they faced Eastern and Ohio State and UIC and seeing if they have um, a presence on the floor that is going to, like, disrupt and destroy Horizon League play or not. Because that's going to decide whether or not IUPUI (laughs) joins that blue blood up at the top. I know UIC leveled up and all that stuff, but I still get mad when they beat any of our teams. <laughs> UIC will always have this, always have the distinction of being the only Horizon League team to lose to Detroit Mercy before they left. Yeah, that's that's true. That Detroit Mercy two years ago, not necessarily Detroit Mercy now. That was, that was an exciting game. I want. I was really uh, sincerely. I mean, that mantle is now falling to Robert Morris, by the way. I was I was rooting so hard for Detroit Mercy to get in the win column that year, and I, I remember watching that game. And it was exciting. And I think, yeah, wasn't that like right after they announced they were jumping to the valley too, or something like that? I can't remember. Uh, I was right around like sure. somewhere in that general vicinity. So, to your collective point, because uh, you mentioned the net, obviously where. Last year, that middle tier group of teams were kind of hovering around the 200s and whatever. When you look at the league, um, with possibly one exception we'll talk about in a moment, it seems to me that the the risk of having that so-called bad loss because of the way the uh, most of the teams in the conference have improved, um, specifically that middle group um does that lend itself to helping um as far as the you know when you get into the conference season and you know you it minimizes perhaps that that instance of a possibility of a bad loss it, uh, with the you know a good portion of that middle group uh, making improvements um as they have yeah it's just going to be a matter of like can that middle group show up for their non-conference schedule at all? Because we go into the beginning of the season all excited going, well, yeah, Green Bay is going to dominate. Cleveland State has been, 
you know, showing its stars for a little while now. Um, let's see how the rest of the league does. And then, like, for example, I was really excited about Wright State's upcoming matchups because it was, like, a whole new squad, essentially, for Coach Hoffman and all that sort of stuff. But the non-conference was brutal. The second yeah. highest strength of schedule that year. And it showed in the losses. It was just just rough. So it, if that middle group, which I think Wright State might be able to be considered a part of now um, with the current roster as it stands, uh, once again, just a size issue, I think. Uh, same with Purdue-Fort Wayne. Um, then there's the possibility that... Uh, you know, it looks better for the Horizon League. We get more of that competitiveness and more uh, more eyes on the conference, essentially, for uh, net births and that sort of thing. Yeah. It is interesting, too, because I think, you know, like Blake said, you know, you go into that non-conference, and that's where you really have to establish what you are as a league because you get into conference play, you know, every game somebody wins in the conference and somebody else loses. And, you know, I just, I'm thinking about, like, I went back and I, you go look through my tweets or X's or whatever they're called now, but I actually tracked every team in the league, their net last year. And it was amazing, like how early those things got crystallized and they'd move up and down a little bit based on how they were doing from there. But you, you really have to get off to a good start in your non-conference and lock those things in early. And that kind of establishes what your reputation is as a team and as the league as a whole. Yeah, exactly. Make yourself known. You know, when you're not facing each other and then it makes everybody better for it. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and rip off the Band-Aid <laughs> and talk about the one team that I can't really get a read on, and that's Robert Morris. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm not really – it seemed like they had some real personnel issues last season, and I don't know if that got fixed. Um, the, for, for this upcoming season, and especially not to the extent that the rest of the league has. Uh, do we? Do you guys see anything that would indicate that Robert Morris is going to be uh, exceed expectations? I mean, or do they even have any at this point? I mean, I guess would be my question. It's so tough with them because they just can't keep any consistency. They, I mean. You had, think about, um, they're able to locate a lot of these international players that end up kind of blowing up and becoming, maybe not the top line stars only, but definitely second or third through level stars. You think about like Saul Castro and Phoenix Gedeon and, you know, Castro missed last year and then tra- and they both transferred out and they kind of have to go back and rebuild half the roster every year, bring in a bunch more international players, in a lot of cases and they're always such a complete unknown at the beginning of the year, but I think I know uh, they're always well coached. They always play great defense, so that'll keep them in a lot of games. I just, I just don't see anything higher than you know eighth, ninth places a ceiling for them at this point, though. I think I agree. Uh, one thing to note with Robert Morris is that they, uh, we talked about it in the men's forum that there's they're now allowing the roster numbers to have sevens, eights, nines, and so on. And so there's a seven, eight, and nine in their roster. Anyway, that was just a tangent. <laughs> Why was six afraid of seven? Because seven, eight, nine. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, 
Yeah, it's yeah. Um, I don't. Yeah, it, it's. I I think that roster volatility. It's funny because when we talk about the men's rosters and the the how the transfer portal comes into play, it to me it's it's a for whatever reason it seems like such a different dynamic than in the case of Robert Morris on the women's side, where it seems like I mean they lost you know like to your point Saul Crastro didn't even play. If she had played, they probably would have done significantly better, especially when you had Phoenix Gideon in the in the on the roster. Now neither of them are there. So it, it just seems like they're going to start over and it's this is not probably this is probably the worst year for them to start over because you have so many of the other teams um, that have made improvements, uh, not the least of which being Wright State. Yep, totally agree. And I, I mentioned I touched on it like for a second. Wright State seems to be turning itself in the correct direction. Um, I, I think they're competing for that middle still. Uh, I'm not quite sure if this roster, with its lack of size, um, gets itself to to the highest tier where it's competing for the third or fourth spot specifically. But that three-point presence is going to be dynamic this coming year. It's going to be a blast. And I'm hoping that like we get to see specifically Riley Sager, because uh, she was one of the most dominant three-point shooters in Ohio high school basketball. If not the most dominant. Um, so that that slots right into what Coach Hoffman has been doing uh, in terms of building rosters, and that should be a good time to watch. I love three-point play. I think it's so much fun. It's I remember that, that game that, Game they played at the Nutter Center against CSU last year, and uh, afterwards was talking to Chris Kilsmer and said, "Oh, they they played five out against us, and we weren't even prepared for that." <laughs> so it's like they just they they make no apologies for it. They just sit behind the arc and bomb away. And the thing is, they're all all of them are really good shooters. That's not everyone can get away with that, but they somehow did and won some big games down the stretch. Oh yeah, and, and they have just enough speed in like uh, Casey Baumhauer and Lauren Scott to drive the middle if need be, but the shot behind the arcs is just where the bread and butter's at, and I, I love it. You'd like to see, I thought, you know, and she transferred out, obviously, but I like Taylor Johnson Matthews or somebody like that, you would like to see maybe if you could, if they could pull everybody out a little bit, and you'd have somebody, like you said, that can like slash the middle and maybe take advantage of that, having the floor spread out a little bit, but... Yeah, it's they're they're still they're a fun team to watch though. I agree. Interesting. Um, one thing in the off season I didn't realize, by the way, um, the uh, Lawrence Scott is the grant is the granddaughter of Gary Williams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, and I think Gary Williams like, for yeah, I know. I saw that when she me, first came in. Then they saw they mentioned it again like last summer or something. Like, oh wow, yeah. Kind and of, I seem to recall. And the reason I recall that I know on, uh, I think he had actually. I don't know if he liked or retweeted uh, one of the posts where we mentioned it, or with it, either me or your uh, or your Twitter account where he actually retweeted him. Like, is that actually Gary Williams? You're like, yeah, holy crap. Learn something new and exciting in every day. Like I seem to learn like now about everything. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys yeah. talked a little bit about um, 
you guys talked a little bit about IUPUI. Um, obviously, last year there was the transition um, from Parkinson to Kate Bruce. You had a handful of players go to Butler with Austin Parkinson. You had Macy Williams graduate, and they still finished in the top half of the of the standings. Um, is that going to be kind of their seal, uh, given what they, given what's going to be at the top of tier, uh, that top, uh, the top of the standing, what what appears to be the top of the standings this season? Um, is is middle of the pack still kind of going to be their ceiling, or are they going to kind of break through and you know get back to where they were um, during the Macy Williams years? <laughs> I don't know that they're going to have you know a four time conference player of the year winning you know. They won what two championships and lost in the championship game. Another one. I mean, that's that's a that was a hell of a run that they had. I don't know if they're going to necessarily get back to that, but they I I do like. I mean, that's another team that they had kind of a weird year last year where they still had like those a couple of the Parkinson holdovers and uh, you know Destiny Perkins who graduated, but then uh, Rachel Kemp played one more year at IUPUI, then went over to Butler herself like the other ones, <laughs> like. Oh, what'd you wait for a year for? I guess she just wanted to feel it out. I guess she had started at St. Louis. Maybe she was sick of transferring, or she had to wait for being grad transfer. I guess, but either way, like, and that's just. I like the players. I like Jasmine Turner a lot. She's somebody that struggles with foul trouble a little bit, but I think that's a very. I, I see them as sort of a similar place they were last year, uh, where they can compete. They were, like I said, a weird team. They could beat anybody in the league, but also lose to anybody in the league last year, and it all kind of came out in the wash for them. And I think were they fourth in the regular season or something like that, I can see them around there again this year, but it all, I mean, again, with that middle class, it just kind of depends. There's a lot of teams that could go up or down pretty drastically in there. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of concerned because of all of that roster turnover, like I've already been through that side with right state, uh, but the, the people that they brought in, and especially the freshmen that they brought in uh, are going to make or break, essentially. So I could see I could see a pretty good IUPUI team, and I could see like a very bad IUPUI team. I'm not sure which it's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> so that that's why I said earlier I was like I have no idea where they're going to end up. It's just going to well, be a we'll see. It- it appears that it, well, it appears that uh, new IUPUI AD uh, Luke Basso is uh, is betting on a winner because he just like within a week of him starting, he extended yes. their contract. Right. So he must know. He, I mean, he, I'll, I'll defer judgment to him on that one because <laughs> he's, the one, he, I mean, he's like, the one I mean, scratching the checks over there. So yeah, he must have he must have got that job one around like. And I think, like you know, IUPUI last year, I think they were better than a lot of people maybe would have expected losing Macy Williams and all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, Kate Bruce had just finished her first year. You know, they were good, but not, like, otherworldly juggernaut. And, you know, this guy had just been hired a week ago to answer an extension. It's kind of a wild story, really. Well, I mean, hey. But it, it, sometimes you just have a gut feeling and you got to go with it. That is true. Say. That is it, true. It, it could be that this is going to be like the year IUPUI goes right back up, but I don't know. It could be just stability. That's I think kind that, of why Detroit Mercy keeps Mike Davis around. 
We recorded, yeah, it's funny, we recorded, we did a whole thing on Detroit Mercy, and I just posted, uh, while we're recording this, I just posted part one of the men's forum, and we talked to a bunch about Detroit Mercy, and they just uh, they just signed Ricky Davis's son. Um, he's a Juco, really? Ty- Tyree Davis, yeah, Juco guy. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, we, we spent all that time wondering, okay, who's going to be on their roster, and, yeah, I just did that, so that's fun. Anyway, um Focuses on the women. Um, so as uh, one team that I am kind of, uh, I, I do have some questions on is, is Northern Kentucky. Cause Northern Kentucky yeah. is the team that's, you know, that got, uh, that upset Youngstown state and got to Indianapolis last year. So when you look at that roster and you see kind of a pretty decent mix of, they got a lot of freshmen coming in, by the way. Oh yeah. Uh, do they? Is there going to be any drop off for them? As a, because they have such a young team, it seems like they do not have. They really don't have any seniors this net coming up. Yeah, I mean, they, it's, it's like a they have one senior. They got Kennedy Igo, and then everybody else is either a junior or a freshman, basically. <laughs> such a weird period right now for Northern Kentucky because they've had. I mean, they've had their recent teams have been so heavily defined by Lindsey Duvall, Ivy Turner, Emmy Souter, uh, you know, Grayson Rose, who wasn't there last year, obviously, uh, all gone. And there's just kind of this void that some people have to step even even Cameron Whitaker slash Vols. <laughs> Give that one for you, Bob. Um, Thank you, because I keep forgetting that I'm going. Yeah, just, I got to stop doing that, man. Even the, even that coaching Balls. staff really turned over over the last couple of years. Yeah. So it's, it, they've kind of step there's there's a little bit of a void there but at the same time they still have players um you know kylie davis uh was kind of emerged as a, a frontline type player last year you know kamari mitchell steen one of the better defensive players in the league uh and, you know and they got a couple transfers um what's her name maya meredith from western kentucky i, I mm-hmm. know that she's considered a pretty good player so actually they got two it's, western it's kentucky a yeah, got yeah, Ma- yeah. Macy Blood is another one, but they, you know, a little bit of retooling year for them, I think. But they, there's some players there, and I think they could maybe still surprise some people. Yeah. Don't want to speak too much about the Norse, but never. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why that is. They, they are a force most of the time. You just get those those moments of inconsistency where, for some reason, they're just completely lost. And I, I think we we might see a moment that, like, without all of that happening, they're going to struggle very hard early. Um, let me take a look at their schedule real quick. Oh no, never mind. I guess I can't look at their schedule. Real quick. No, Northern Kentucky it says does this sorry. Weird thing. Northern yeah, Northern Kentucky does this weird thing where they they are they like release bits and pieces of the schedule. Um, and this includes all both of their teams. They just do it. Uh, I assume at the end of it, like sometime in September, they'll just have the full thing up. They just tease like, oh, this is who they're playing and this is who they're playing. And I'm like, OK, um, I like, call, I, I call me when you're all the way done. <laughs> I, I actually really like that. I mean, why give us one news hit when you can give us seven? I mean, that's that is true. It's that something to talk about true. in August, man. That's all. That's all any of this is really. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. And yet here I am starting us off on, and at the end of August. But no, I mean, realistically, you know, school has started. You know, we got a good idea of who's on the rosters. You know, we've got te- the, conf- the, 
the conference has released its schedule. Um, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, too, because I did want to touch upon that because obviously there's been some changes there. Um, just a complete overhaul. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, th this seemed as good. You know, this all every year. This is as good a time as any to get get us uh, get us all fired up um, and, and started back on the podcast again, you know. In year, this is the last last couple of years has been deceptively quiet, and you know, in the summertime, which is nice because you know, <laughs> the years past were not even close. <laughs> um, Everybody's got to settle in first. That's true. I mean, well, I mean, through twenty twenty, it was COVID, and we were bored as hell, and we needed to do something. So, hey, let's record a podcast. Come on, let's do that. That's <laughs> yeah, exactly. what I did. I was like, hey, you know what? We assume we're going to have a basketball season, so let's talk about it. <laughs> and that's what we did. Um, plus, of course, they yeah, well, plus of course, on the men's side, they had like co coaching changes and all that good stuff. So, um, before we kind of branched out into on, into the women's side, so um, point wasn't bad because they got all the way through the thing until the very end. And yeah. it was really that next year where teams were going like a month and a half without playing a game because a couple people got COVID on the roster and all that kind of stuff. Well, that was the that was the season that Detroit Mercy just shut it down at the end of the season, like halfway through the season. Yeah. The well, <laughs> there were other reasons for that for too. For other but. reasons, of course, and yeah, that's yeah that that's Detroit Mercy. Um, so I want to talk about the schedule. Um. Uh, they, uh, the Horizon League has clearly uh, done quite a bit as it relates to uh, changing that whole thing up. Very interesting that you don't see, I think you, there's maybe one Monday game. Most of the games fall under that Wednesday through, most of them fall uh, on that Wednesday through Sunday. And there's not a lot of, there's actually not a lot of, it's Friday games either. Because we yeah. notice on the men's side, there's only three Friday games in the conference schedule. And on the women's side, it's even less, if memory serves correct. Yeah, I didn't, I mean, I didn't take inventory for every team, but I know like Cleveland State, I counted it up and like out of the uh, 20 conference games, they had 10 on Saturday and then six on Wednesday. So they were very, that, and one of, that was one of the things that the league was trying to do is leave at least two days between games. And that just, that, that Wednesday, Saturday grouping just, turned out to be one that works i think for just about everybody yeah they've spaced it out a lot more this season than they have in years past they got rid of the travel partners and yeah that's that's exactly what happened i mean by and large yeah i mean the yeah, by and large i think they play one uh one monday they play one monday and that's new year's day <laughs> that's it they did actually. The one thing I did, they and they actually do not play on Fridays at all. Uh, they play, there's one Friday game and it's on the 26th and it's uh, Wright State Milwaukee. They got rid of travel partners, but the one thing I really liked is they weren't like complete idiots about it. They weren't making people go up to Wisconsin twice and things like that, which is really what my fear was when that news came out uh, that yeah. they were doing that. So like they they still made sure everyone hits Green Bay Milwaukee in, in one trip, which was nice. So they kind of. They, they got rid of the thing that that, you know, sort of structured grouping of teams. But at the same time, they still, you know, used half of their brain when they're coming up with the schedule. Yeah, it seems I really does seem to me that I mean, the, even the, like at the end of the schedule, they, they do play. They do play on a Tuesday, February 27th. But by and large, it's pretty well spaced out. Um, it. 
it, I, and one of the things we did we touched on on the uh, on on the men's forum is that the rivalry games are a lot of those are on Saturdays now. Um, so yeah, they that's that's gonna be. I, I haven't del- I haven't looked deep deep dove into this just yet but yeah by and large um they're not scheduling stuff that's on you know that's on weird days basically well yeah that was the thing because especially after uic left the league and there were an odd number of teams you'd have this thing where you know you'd have you wouldn't be able to pair your own travel partner and you'd have to go play them on a random tuesday or something like that obviously your travel partner is your rival in a lot of cases you know oakland detroit mercy milwaukee green bay etc so that yeah, that <laughs> I think you know those, those rare games where you can maybe get a few people in the building. You definitely want those on a Saturday if you can. Absolutely, absolutely, exactly. Yeah, so that was definitely something that I saw. That was, I, yeah, it seems like they they definitely did a lot, you know, with this. And it's funny because when uh uh, it, it, <laughs> I, I think I mentioned this uh during the first part of the men's forum about uh getting the guy getting kind of the engineer of this on the podcast. And of course they release it right when we're doing the writers forum. So sorry, horizon Lee, we will not be doing that this time. <laughs> we, th- we didn't come through on our thread. It's our fault. We did that. <laughs> um, so let's talk about green Bay. Um, hey. green Bay. Uh, yeah. Um, Kevin Borseth looking for revenge, and I don't dispute it, and I'm going to stay out of his way because he scares me. <laughs> there's no, there's only, there's only one okay. universal truth in this. There's only one universal truth for me and and in this league, and it's that it's that Kevin Borseth scares me. <laughs> like matters, I, I, know, I've never even met him, and it looks like he would stare into my soul and just burn it to the ground. <laughs> From what I understand, he's actually a pretty nice guy. He just has he had that viral moment when he was at Michigan, obviously, and uh, kind of just has a scary look at to him in general. But yeah, I don't. I can, I, I know. Yeah, the the Michigan thing was one thing, but he 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 always looks like he's gonna do that at any point in time. Like he's got this hair. He's never done it except for that one time. But, but yeah, I was gonna say he's a terrifying presence on the bench. Thank you. <laughs> See, I'm not the only one. He, yeah. Yeah, it's Kevin. <laughs> exactly. I've never, never talked to the guy because I've not had a chance. But he, it, you watch him during the games and it's just, he is, the the word I'm looking for is passionate, but not quite. Yeah. <laughs> Intense. I yeah, intense. Well, he's a he's a he's a trip to watch on the bench because he'll in the cameras, the ESPN Plus cameras very wisely tend to show him a lot. But he'll always be like, if something goes wrong, he'll kind of like sit back in his chair and like roll his eyes up to the ceiling and do the Steve Spurrier lip thing and all that kind of stuff. I mean, he's 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 as animated as they come. Yeah, yeah he's great to watch. <laughs> Terrifying yeah. though, from from a distance. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Would not want to be on that bench personally, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, this is. I mean, but last year they came, they they swept Cleveland State. They came very close um, in the, you know, they they got to the finals, came up short, and didn't they lose somebody at the in the middle of the season too, Kyle? 
Haley Oski, yeah. Um, yeah. They never, never really came out why, but she departed the team in, I think, December and was just gone. Um, but you know what? <laughs> they didn't, they were as good as they were playing. They didn't seem to mind too much. Um, really? Right. <laughs> it didn't matter. Yeah, they, they, they actually arguably did get better. Um, that's Green Bay for you, though, man. Yeah. I was kind of joke like at the end of the season when we're picking the all league teams and things like that. You kind of go through and you look and you pick all your guys. Oh, oh there's six Cleveland State guys on there. Uh, well, you know, Green Bay was the regular season champion. I better go find somebody to pick for them. And it's always so hard because it's just, you know, all, all the all those old school boomer types love it. It's a it's a team first game. Everybody contributes something. There's no necessarily and there are there are star players on the team. Don't get me wrong, but. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not, there's not anybody, you know, like where we're Destiny Leo or somebody like that jumps out off off the uh, the court of you. So uh, they're just and you know what? And even in this day and age in the transfer portal era, they tend to keep they recruit freshmen, they keep them together for a four or five year cycle. They they did make a big addition through the portal, uh, Natalie Anderson from IUPUI, but they tend to not. Yes, even on the women's side, we have Horizon League on Horizon League crime. There's such a throwback and such an anomaly. It's really kind of fascinating. Yeah, and she is, like, the only one, because everybody else is a junior or younger. And this is a team that made it to the finals last year. And you have the all these thing people too is, who are younger. Maddie That's Schreiber, insane. one of their top players, was hurt for the second half last year, too. So they're, they're bringing her back. They have oh man, they're wow. very highly rated freshman class. I mean, they're, you know, the Cleveland State people might not like me saying this, but they, I, geez, they're going to be awfully tough to stop this year. Well, they were kind of awful. They were awful hard to stop last year, so I don't sure. see that changing. And that's a, I mean, you know, Cleveland State, to their credit, they've ended their season the last, what, three years in a row now. In the yeah, that, is, that is true. And then the semifinals led, uh, two years ago, and then the finals this past year. It's one of those things, like, Green Bay tends to win most of those regular season games, and Cleveland State, for whatever reason, has just gotten them at the, at the right time where you have to get them. Uh, I don't know if that means anything in the big picture, but if you got to win one, that's the one to win, I guess. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Well, the, the, you know what everybody says. It's you know hard to beat somebody three times. And, yeah, that was absolutely true. Because yeah. Cleveland State did win pretty convincingly in that finals game. That's the thing. None of those, all those – I mentioned those three games. None Which of them is, were really all that close. I remember they the weren't. They really weren't. Quarterfile. Cleveland State came, blew their doors off, and Green Bay came back and made it a game kind of in the second half. But and then the, the, that semifinal two years ago was a blowout, and this final was another blowout. It's like it's, they haven't even been close games, which is kind of the wild part. Yeah. So. Yep. Well, this is a good segue into Cleveland State, Kyle, because I, right. I was wondering when we were – you're probably like, why aren't we talking about Cleveland State yet? Well, here we are. <laughs> here we are. So um, – Obviously, Destiny Leo, uh, player of the year last year, she's back. Probably going to be – you might as well pencil her in for player of the year this year unless something weird happens. But that is a team that also came uh, – Cleveland State also experienced some turnover this year in the offseason. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they. I mean, it's kind of an interesting thing because uh, – you know, as as long as you have Destiny Leo, you're probably going to be in pretty good shape. Uh, they obviously, uh, Jordana Reisma, highly regarded freshman, is going to obviously see an increased role this year. Coaching staff, I can tell you, it's, sure. it's absolutely huge on her. She's going to be a star in the league. 
Um, a lot of other pieces are back, but a lot of other pieces aren't back too. And they've kind of had to, and that's kind of like, you know, we just talked about green Bay and their four or five year players. Cleveland state's always kind of, I think they're trying to change that a little bit, but it's always kind of been the other way where they deal very heavily in the transfer portal. And they always kind of have to like rebuild a decent chunk of the team every year. Yeah. Also the other thing too, with uh, the other thing too, with Cleveland state big on four, uh, Big on not just drag transfers, but also uh, international players. A lot of the, yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the roster now. Grace Ellis is from Australia. You got Sarah Guerrero coming back, who just played for the Port- uh, the Portuguese national yeah. team. Um, Carmen Villalobos from Spain. Uh, Felipe Gula from Greece. I mean. There, yeah, there's, I, a, there's a pretty decent international – there's quite an international flavor there. Honestly, haven't hadn't really thought about that, but, yeah, you're right. I mean, the way it just kind of turned out is, yeah, they do have a lot of – you know, Guerrero obviously played for Portugal at uh, World University Games this past summer. Uh, tournament didn't really turn out quite the way they wanted for overall on the team level. I think they finished ninth, uh, but – they they actually bounced back. They they lost two pool games quickly and were out of medal contention at that point. But then came back and won a three game round robin to finish ninth. So, and, and Grio had a good tournament personally and got even better as the tournament went on. So, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun to follow that as uh, during the summer it gives you something to do, I guess. Uh, but yeah, uh, Gula I know coming from uh, Cali or from St. Francis rather. <laughs> Uh, I don't have to specify which one anymore, but that's uh, that is true. That is true. Although you know, yeah, you know, because I, I know there's still, there are still St. Francis Brooklyn players out there, and is, until they're completely out of the pipeline, you still have to specify a little bit. But this was Pennsylvania that that Gula came from. Uh, should be uh, a nice piece for their guard rotation. Um, you know, we, we know what we know. What Via Lobos can do. She hit that that huge three pointer force overtime against DePaul. Yeah, uh, she'll see a little bit of an expanded role this year. Uh, Grace Ellis, a player I like a lot. I mean, she was a very, very good player at Wyoming. Uh, I think one of the things with Cleveland State is you start that conversation with Destiny Leo, but I think just as much as anything, uh, the player, the types of players that drive their success a lot are the the big wings that they're able to bring in, and, and Grace Ellis should be a significant part of that. You talk about one of the players they lost, like a Barbara Zinevska, who – Maybe her stats didn't jump off the page of you, but she did so many little things that contributed to that team winning. And I'd go into the press conference after games, and every time they'd give you the, that stat sheet with the plus minus on that, and, and Genevska was always like first or second in that. And it's like she would she'd score like three points and had three rebounds. Like, okay, what, whatever. But you know what? When she was on the floor, they were doing better than the other team more than anybody else. And they've had they've had a lot of players come through like that. I think, I think Alice can be one of the next group of that. All right. Um, so I wanted to talk about I I know we touched on Youngstown State a little bit, but yeah, I want to deep dive into them because they have it, it, for just on paper they have looks. I mean, they got uh, you know Lily Ritz is out of eligibility, obviously, but everybody else, man, <laughs> they got so many other people who are seniors or fifth year or grad students. It's it's a, it's an insane. Yeah, in terms of straight seniority, where Lily Ritz signed pro in Switzerland, right? Something like that. I believe so. Yes, you would know better than I. It's a heck of a deal yeah. to play the ball and go go hang out in Switzerland for a year. That's not absolutely. A bad deal. Uh, but yeah, Youngstown State. Jeez, I mean, 
And there were kind of, there was something about Youngstown State. They were coming into last season. They were the defending co-regular season champions. I, you know, IUPUI obviously was going through a rebuild. So they kind of came in. People forget this maybe now. They kind of came into last season as the league favorites, at least in some ways, and ended up having kind of a disappointing year. But with, geez, with all that experience and just about everybody except for Ritz back, I think I'd like to see a bounce back year from them. I think they can deliver that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just got to avoid the skit at the end. You know, <laughs> it's a marathon, not a race. <laughs> they have they they they've really struggled in the tournament. They have had a couple last couple years had home court games in the quarterfinals against teams they were supposed to beat and then didn't. I know that 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 Northern Kentucky game was really tough, and they they had a chance to win that, and that's it just didn't happen. Just didn't happen. Yep, thought for sure that was going to be a thing. Um, one last thing, and one last thing I wanted to talk about before we left, um, there is now a new uh, NCAA, there's another second tier tournament now, apparently for the women now. Mm-hmm. What is it? The W, uh, what do they call that now? I do, what are they calling that? The only reason I remember that is because it's just the WBI with a T at the end. Yep. Jesus. <laughs> so that's supposed to be like the second tier tournament now. WNIT is not going anywhere. It sounds like yeah, they, you're like, we're staying. I don't care what you guys do, but we're staying. The, do the, the the Leonardo DiCaprio thing from the Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> I'm staying. I'm not. I'm not leaving. Goes up and gives the speech. Yeah. So yeah. So so now that there is an extra opportunity out there, are we going to see more Horizon League teams? Because in years past, it's just been the NCAA, WNIT, and the WBI, which only ever had like what eight teams or something. Are we going to see more? Are we going to see more Horizon League teams this year in those tournaments? Now that we have the addition of this new tournament, I personally yeah, think so. You don't. You, you said no, Blake. Sorry. No, I personally think so. Oh, you think so? The Horizon League top of the competition, it like if they don't go into the, um, the tournament, the big dance and everything, uh then they go to those other spaces. That's where I think the horizon has the best shot at like expanding their presence is in those other postseason tournaments. Um, yeah, that, that's really all I had to say about that side. I, I think we have the potential to get four people into the postseason, and it's all just going to be a matter of getting uh, that consistent presence I think, yeah, I mean, just to piggyback off that a little bit, I mean, there are, there are more total bids, which in theory should be a good thing with more teams from all over the place. You want to make sure they're the right teams in our case, obviously. Sure. Uh, the one thing that I haven't seen so far is anything from the WBIT about auto bids for regular season champions, which would be nice. I, you know, That's I, a good I, question how that works. Yeah, that's, I, I, that's kind of weird. I, you know, you can make a whole other podcast about my thoughts about how you, you play – four months for basically seeding and then a couple weeks decides the entirety of like how good of a season you had, which is kind of nuts when you really think about it. But I would like to see regular season uh, auto bids from somewhere. I don't really care who gives them um, just to guarantee that team. If it, should they not get it done in the tournament? Uh, I think that's WBI, probably what's going to I don't know. Like, I, we, the WNIT came out right away and said, we're not going over the WBI. Now that you have like a higher regarded tournament that has basically the same name. I, I don't know what the future for that is, and that's well, obviously... Well, the thing with the WBI has always been that they have been kind of a... 
Um, they only, I mean, it wasn't that big of a tournament. It was only ever like, it's only ever been like eight teams. No, they had, they, they had, they've gone through, they had 16 teams, uh, earlier in history. Uh, they've been down to eight, I think since COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, this thing, you know, you know, Cleveland state won that a couple years ago. They went to the championship the next year. I know, uh, I think UIC and D- UIC when they were in the Horizon League and Detroit Mercy have both won that term in the past. I mean, it's been a good tournament for the league, so it'd be kind yeah. of, you know, it's just. I fact, expect it. I actually it's, do expect it's now the fourth tier tournament, and it would be hard to justify sustaining it at some point. But it's been a good tournament for the Horizon League. Yeah, I think it, I think they I think the WBI I think structurally I think they are have a little bit more. They're a little stronger than the, say, CIT on the men's side right. or the basketball There's- classic or whatever you want to call them. I think and I think they also benefit from the fact that they are a single venue. They, yeah, they, that, that they hasn't have- always been the case either. That was another another yeah. COVID thing. But you bring so focus, I do think you that focus on mid-majors pretty much exclusively. You have eight teams at a single site. You bang out the whole thing in a weekend. There's a lot of appeal to that. Yeah. It's just a matter, you know, if you're the, you know, 150th best team in the country, you know, how much do you want to keep your season going at that point, I guess. But I mean, it's a pay to play, obviously. But, you know, it's I, I think there's a niche for it. I don't know what, whether they end up continuing it is something yes, we'll I guess we'll have to look out for. All right. So. All right, so that's going to wrap it up us here for us. So basically, we have parts one and two. of. We basically have this is the second of the three of writers' forums we have. We're posting this. Uh, we post part one of men's forum. This is part two, part of the entirety of the women's forum. And then we have part two coming up next, uh, next week uh, for the men's forum. So if you missed anything from the first part, um, be sure to listen to that. HorizonRoundtable.com, that's where you can pull up all of our content, all of our podcasts. Kyle is still banging out the starting fives. Yeah, I think we. I, I said at the beginning when I started doing this, I hope to get eight out before we got into the preview content for this next season. I'm at seven right now, so hopefully maybe one or two more of those before we get into uh, full season content. All right. Um, yeah, so yeah, HorizonRoundtable.com is where our content and uh, our, our articles and our podcasts are. Uh, be a pat- become a patron. Uh, you will get uh, early access to pre- all of our articles for preview week as well as power rankings during the season. Patreon.com slash HorizonRoundtable. Maybe even get a mug or a uh, T-shirt out of that, too. And then, of course, you can join us. Uh, you can follow us where podcasts are found. You can pull us up on your Amazon or Google devices. So until next time, thank you all for listening.